Hello, my name is Hindel Grossman. I'm a divorce attorney, owner of the law firm Grossman & Associates Limited, located in Newton and Nantucket. Today, I'm sitting with Holly Harmon, a licensed social worker, and we're going to talk about parenting issues related to parents who are divorcing and how to be a better parent. Welcome, Holly. Thanks for having me. How are you today? Doing great. Good. Doing great. Excited to be here. Good. Our audience would love to hear a little bit about you. Could you tell us sure. about yourself? Sure. It's interesting how I actually kind of came into working more with couples that were either going through divorce or are just looking for counseling or after the divorce. I originally started doing a lot of work with eating disorders. And when I started there, I started to notice that a lot of the eating disorders were coming from a place of insecurity, not feeling validated in their marriages. And then this kind of turned more into couples therapy. And then I started seeing more children as time went on and kind of really getting to see the whole picture of the family dynamic and how divorce, how all these things kind of play into eating disorders as well as the end result of divorce, unfortunately. So in your private practice, you see Couples, couples, as well as individuals? Yes, and children. And children. Yeah. So adult individuals. The whole lifespan. Yeah. Of a family, can you see pretty much everybody? No, I try to stick with one, whether it's the child or whether it is the couple or one of the spouses. Okay. And then I'll refer out to other people. And typically we can all work together to kind of figure out what the best modality is for treatment for the family, as long as everyone is in agreement that we can all speak with one another. Do you find it difficult to be a marriage counselor when people are in conflict, couples are in conflict? Yeah, it can definitely be heated. There can be some difficult conversations that have to come up, but I find for the most part, people are so grateful to get the support and to be heard. So it's a lot of when you're in a marriage and you're at that end stage, you start to feel like no one's listening to you. And sometimes when you just have that other person in the room that can say, wait, I'm I'm hearing this. Is this what you meant to say? Mm-hmm. That can be very beneficial in helping the couple either decide that this isn't what they were looking for anymore, or I've had also couples that were on the verge of divorce yeah, and then realizing they weren't listening to one another and they really needed that third person to just kind of help them hear one another's issues. What point do you think that couples come to you? It varies. Sometimes it'll be right away when there's been conflict, newlyweds. I've had people two years into a marriage that all of a sudden this isn't the person I signed up to be with. Mm -hmm. And then other times it's people who have been together for 25, 30 years, their kids are off at school, and all of a sudden they realize they have nothing in common anymore. So it really can vary. But I think when you notice that the issue is there and you're having a hard time talking about it, that's the best time to come in. That's interesting. In my work as a divorce attorney, I find that a lot of, I would say 50% of the couples have been through marriage counseling before they decide to divorce. And I think, well, perhaps the counseling either was unsuccessful or Mm -hmm. perhaps it was successful in that it helped people decide that divorcing was the right answer. Exactly. Is that right? Exactly. I completely agree. I think that there are times that marriages really aren't helpful anymore. I hear a lot parents saying, I want to stay together for our children. And that sounds lovely. And you want that, I know, for your child. But if you're screaming and you're fighting all the time and no one's able to show up for their children, it really doesn't benefit the kids then. Yeah. You know, and obviously the goal is to save marriages. However, if there's nothing left to save, it's more helping them amicably split and share the balance of raising a child now in a family that's no longer one unit. 
When couples who have come to you for counseling decide with you that divorcing is the better option, do you Mm -hmm. find that one wants it more than the other? That's a great question. Typically, yes. Typically, there's usually someone that's more of the driving force. And that can be very heartbreaking to watch, you know, because you see someone else that's trying desperately to save the marriage. But I think if both people aren't in it, it's really hard to save it. That's one of the first questions is, are you both willing to work on the marriage? And if someone's like, well, not really. I just, I'm going through the motions right now because I'm trying to appease my other half. At least that's an honest answer. I appreciate it. Yeah. But you can tell right off the bat that's going to be a more challenging session. Yeah. I wonder sometimes when people come to me for divorce representation that they went to the marriage counseling, not with their heart in it, just to kind of go through the motions to make the other person feel a little better, but it gives the other spouse false hope. And to say that they tried everything. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the other thing is a lot of couples want to first try to do this before they go on to that next step of going through with a divorce. Yeah. Do you see couples also who are divorcing? Do you continue to see them during the divorce process? Sometimes. And a lot of the times it's typically when there's children involved. Yeah. So it's how do we do this in a way that our children are going to be okay. I think it's actually a very good idea for them to continue seeing you. you I recommend it, especially when children are involved. Well, plus you can facilitate the conversation between the two of them when they're obviously not speaking that well together, communicating that well together. They may be living separately at that point. Mm -hmm. There may be financial issues that are causing stress between them. And how challenging it is for children, even if they're staying in one home. I'll see that mom stays in the house, dad moves out. The house is different. The house is still different, even though they're in the same space. So it's also kind of helping the child navigate through that. A lot of the times the parents will want me to then talk to the child's therapist, which I also can find very beneficial just because I can give them the ideas of what's going on within the marriage or the divorce at that point, what the parents are kind of up against and help the therapist of the child to really understand what's going on in this family dynamic rather than just from what the child is reporting. Because yeah. the child won't always know right. all the ins and outs. Or certainly or understand what's going on. Exactly. I always find it important to know the context of things that go on or context yes. of a statement. I imagine if you have an individual client, obviously you're just hearing one side of the story, their version of the story. But in a way, when you have a husband and a wife there, then you can see both sides of the story or they have an opportunity at least to present each side And then you can decide which one you believe, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Correct. That gives you a better context. Mm -hmm. Also, you see their personalities. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because I I also enjoy working individually with clients. So even if I started working with a couple and then dad's decided I'm all set, I want the divorce or whatnot, and I continue to work with the wife, I also have an opportunity to understand what they went through within this marriage and how to help them kind of move on and how to help them... Find some peace with the decision that's finally come about, because I think that's the biggest thing is you tend to lose yourself a lot of the times in marriages, that you become so-and-so's mom, so-and-so's spouse. And when you're all of a sudden back to, oh, wow, I'm finding my my true mm-hmm. identity again, it, it can be really challenging. It's a huge transition for yeah, everyone. It really is. And everyone's going through it at their own pace. Yeah. So I find that divorcing people are in a lot of pain. Yep. One maybe more than the other. Mm-hmm. The one who's in less pain is the one who wants the divorce, probably. The one who doesn't is in greater pain, anguish, revenge, potentially even. Yep. Mode. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to help people get through that. Plus, I only represent one side of the case. Sure. So I try to be, as I was this morning in a meeting, try to be really mindful of the other person's experience. Yep. Other spouse's experience. In the case of this morning's meeting, this particular wife found out that her husband was having an affair, so she was in a great deal of pain. Sure. Anyone to acknowledge that to her. But still, she got a little bitter. <laughs> 
and was poking quite a bit at, at the husband during the meeting. Yep. So it's challenging to manage that. And that was in a meeting with the husband and the wife and two attorneys sitting in a conference room. So you weren't even in a court setting. Of course. Yeah. I can imagine. And I see that. I think the biggest thing is the honesty. I always try to say, like, if we're going to try to save the marriage, we need to really put the honesty out there uh-huh. and that it's going to be painful, that the honesty doesn't always feel good. Mm-hmm. But the only way that we can kind of move forward is to kind of have everything out on the table so that there's not this continual shocks. Typically, what I'll find is that people say everything's out on the table, and then these little shocks come up along the way. And it just brings you back down to square one. Uh So I think once you can kind of put it all out there and say, okay, this is what we're dealing with. These are all the painful things that are hurting me right now, or these are the things that led me to feel this way about you, or vice versa. It's easier to kind of go through them rather than the, okay, we, I think I'm just dealing with these five things. And then an affair comes out yeah. or a gambling addiction yeah. or credit cards under different accounts. And that's hard because then you're not rebuilding trust. Trust is very hard to rebuild, isn't it? It very much is. Once it's destroyed. Mm-hmm. But it's possible. Yeah. And I think that's the part that I always try to remind people is that if you're both willing to work through this really yucky time, you can. Uh-huh. You can, but you both have to want it. Uh-huh. So what is the best way to rebuild trust? I think it's the openness and it's the continuation of having these conversations. A lot of couples that come into couple therapy, they don't talk very often is what I'm noticing. The communication is a text message, who's picking up this one, what's for dinner, I have this meeting, I have that meeting. I always encourage them to start dating again. You know, like when was the last time you got a babysitter? When was the last time you guys went out and you didn't talk about your children? Yeah. What would it be like to go out to dinner and just talk about things that you're interested in? Mm -hmm. That can make a world of difference. Mm -hmm. Again, we lose ourselves a lot of the time. So, Mm. you know, I'm married and I know that once I first got married and had a son, it was all of a sudden I lost who I was. It felt like I was Jeff's wife. I was, you know, Travis's mom. And especially for some women who aren't working, that's really challenging. Uh And so they want to have that connection. Uh And men too, there's a lot of stay-at-home dads nowadays, and they want that connection back with their spouse rather than just feeling like their only job is to cook, clean, and take care of things. Yeah. So the dating is key. Yeah. To date each other. Person's identity and comfort level is important, huh? Mm-hmm. Really important. How can we keep people together? How can we encourage couples to communicate to keep their marriage intact? I think the big thing is spending more quality time together. Mm-hmm. You see nowadays a lot of people, one of the big things they talk about is, you know, my husband's always on his phone. My husband comes home from work and he goes up to his office or my wife comes home and she says she's going out after the kids go to bed with her girlfriends. There's a lot of other things that seem more valuable Uh nowadays, I I think, than the quality time of another person. The other thing that I always recommend to people is the five love languages. So I don't know if you're familiar with that book. It's a wonderful book and it talks about there's five different love languages. Don't ask me what they are off the top of my head. But you can Google them. And, um, you know, one of them is quality time. One is quality touch. One is words of affirmation. There's a few more. But everyone has their primary language. And typically, they're very different. And if you can know what your partner's love language is, what it is that they need to feel appreciated and wanted, you can better effectively communicate with that person. Ah. But we don't take the time necessarily Uh to sometimes understand what our partner needs. Uh It's kind of like, this is what I need. This is what I need because we're already feeling slighted. That's usually one of my first assignments is kind of figuring out what your primary and your secondary love languages are. This can work in a job setting. 
a lot of the times when people are having a difficult time with a boss or whatnot, I'm like, hey, do you know what their communication language is? It's very similar. And if you know how to help that person, it can be very beneficial. That's a wonderful suggestion. Yeah. So if we had something called Marriage University, that would be a course on I love languages. I would absolutely huh? teach that course. <laughs> <laughs> Let you enjoy that. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I think, an important piece of keeping a couple together is that they can understand the communication style because yeah. everyone's very different. Yeah. When you go out with friends, for example, as a couple in your private life, can you tell pretty well what the relationship is like between the couple? I have done a really good job, I think, of really trying to keep my professional life separate. <laughs> like I really try, you know, people will ask for my advice and yeah. I find that if I'm not sitting in my office, my advice isn't as solid. <laughs> That's been my identity is like, you know, recognizing that I'm not just this. I also teach yoga. So I've been trying to find out how to ground myself more. So I'm yeah. not always like looking at how other people are interested interacting. Occupational hazard, conflict, huh? Yes. Mm -hmm. When I find conflict, I find that that like red flag goes up in me and that's when I can feel, ooh, yeah. I wonder if that's happening. Something's wrong. Might be wrong here. Yes. Not necessarily. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about parenting. Sure. How do you suggest parents handle their parenting roles during a divorce? Mm. It's tricky because all of a sudden, they're no longer a unified force. And that is the most important part of parenting, whether you're in a couple or whether you're married or you're divorced, is that you still have to have that unified force. Because the second, I mean, kids are smarter than us. They really are. Okay. And they can sense it. Yeah, They can sense who's going to be the pushover. They also know how to play it off that like, well, dad lets me do this or mom lets me do this. And if you're already hurting from a divorce and now mom's the cool one and you already feel like, great, I lost everything or whatever have it be, it really plays into it. So I think that the co-parenting really has to take place where even if the husband and wife, the ex-husband and wife are not on good terms, they need to pull it together yeah. for the sake of their children. It's a, such a hard sell. They understand it when I say it, but they somehow just have a really hard time doing it. Their life will be a lot harder yeah. if they don't do it because yeah. these kids, they pick up on it. They yeah. know what to say and what to do to get what they want, and it's not helping them. You see a lot of parentified children that are actually going back and forth and communicating for the parents. Not okay. Yeah, Parents have to have adult conversations. They can't say, hey, tell your dad this the next time you see him. Yeah. They need to pick up a phone and do that. Yeah, the, between the two parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of the saddest cases I've seen in divorce are when one parent, I'll say poisons the children against the other parent, and that other parent tries so hard to get themselves out of the hole they've been placed in by the opposing spouse, and they can't they don't have a chance to establish a relationship with the child because the child won't see them. It does nothing for the child. And yeah. that's what I always try to tell someone when they're, even when I've had friends that are going through divorce or whatnot, and I know the ins and outs pretty personally around what's been going on, I always really try to tell them, as much as you dislike this human being, you need to pretend you like them for the sake yeah. of your child. Just because you only get two parents in life. Yeah. That's all you get. You get tons of friends, you get tons of teachers, but you get two parents. And you need them to be parents. For sure. And you need them to lift each other up and say, yep, I know that was a difficult one, but I, I stand behind what mom said or I stand behind what dad said. You know, those are the rules. Yeah. Kids need rules. And the parents are the role models. Yes. And they can exactly. be such bad ones. Yeah. And then you see that dysfunction play out in kids' lives after that. You see them having a harder time making 
relationships in high school, especially, you start to see poor choices in friend groups, poor choices in their first relationships, intimate relationships. And a lot of it is learned. Mm -hmm. It's learned behavior. Yeah. And the child doesn't know which parent they can turn to either or trust. Yeah. They don't know which one to trust. And they also don't know who's telling the truth. If you're getting two very different stories about something, it really confuses a child and makes them feel like they can't trust either. And that's scary because we need children to feel like their parents are safe. Yeah. And so as much as two people may not like each other, I encourage them that they have to pretend they do. Yeah. That this is something they have to. It's like if you have a boss you don't like, you got to suck it up. (laughs) You got to make it work. This is your job as a parent. Yeah, that's such a complicated thing to sell. It is. <laughs> Isn't it? You know, and I think there's exceptions, obviously, mm-hmm. if there's domestic abuse or something along those lines. Obviously, there's exceptions to that. But yeah. when we're just talking about two parents having irreconcilable differences and they split ways, they really need to keep in mind the best interest of the child. Yeah. And both parents have such wonderful things to offer their children. Oh, absolutely. You know, they can, may come at parenting from two different perspectives, but both usually have some value. Yep. Agreed. Like even though the one parent may not like the way the other one parents. Mm-hmm. And those rules are hard to enforce uniformly between two households. Exactly. But if you can have solid communication between the two, yeah. letting them know what's going on in both households, like being more transparent, I find that there's a lot of secrecy after divorces. Like, I don't want your mom knowing that I have this person around, or I don't want your dad knowing that, you know, I'm working this job. Or it's not a child's job to keep secrets. Mm-hmm. And I think right. that's teaching a child to keep secrets from their parents. And they're not realizing that that's what they're asking them to do, but it is. It is. That can be very dangerous for a child. And then they come into therapy and they're confused. They don't know what they can share with the therapist. They don't know what they can share with their teacher. And that can set them up for a lot of issues. Yeah, I can see that. On the other hand, there are parents who overshare. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. Good point. (laughs) Way overshare. And that's, I think, goes back to that parentified child where they're using their child as their friend or their their counselor or their confidant. And they're not. They're a kid. Their responsibility is to be a kid. Parents have to be really careful what they say to their kids. It's tricky. And I have a lot of empathy for parents that are going through this because I'm making it sound pretty easy because I'm not in that position. You know, I always say it's easier to be in my chair than in theirs. So not to make it sound like this is something that anyone can just do in a blink of an eye, but it's work. Yeah. If you want it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Recently, I was speaking to someone who said that she has quite a few friends who are going through divorce and Mm -hmm. she was unsure how to respond to them. She didn't know whether to say, I'm sorry. She didn't know whether to say, uh, good for you. She didn't know how to respond in any supportive kind of friend way. And I know this is off topic of when we were talking previously about your couples therapy and couples divorcing and Mm -hmm. needing therapy or children whose parents are divorcing. This is slightly different. It's a friend, so it's a little extension. Do you have any suggestions generally for someone who wants to be supportive of a friend going through a divorce? Yeah. No one wants to usually talk about it. And sometimes they just need someone to listen. So I think the most helpful thing you can say is, what do you need right now? Mm -hmm. Do you need someone to listen? Do you want someone to sit there and kind of have a glass of wine with you and just commiserate over this is so hard? Or do you need someone to say, please help pull me out of this? Uh Like, I need help dating. I need help with these next steps. Yeah. And I think it's a lot, again, when you're going through a divorce and everyone else around you is married or is starting to have babies, it's like whenever you're in that different area in your life, it feels very isolating. So it's helping that person not feel so isolated in this. Uh I think a good role for a friend is a reality check too. Mm, Because people who are divorcing 
get emotional about their decisions and they could use their friend if they trust their friend's opinion on certain things to just calm them down, give a reality check about something that's happening. Being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the best advice is the hardest advice, you know? So it's often when you hear that you need to move on or you're doing too much right now, or you're not doing enough. Yeah. Or telling the person, hey, you're dragging your kid into this. Uh-huh. That can be a lot of the hard stuff to say, but it is the most valuable. That's it's true. better than it can jeopardize a friendship too, Lou. Huh? I know. Yeah. You know, it's also hard when people come to me and I know that they're getting advice from their friends and mm-hmm. family and there are no two divorces are exactly alike. There may be factors that are identical. There's a marital home and two kids and working parents of various forms, but no two cases are alike. There's always some little nuance. Mm -hmm. And if a client starts taking advice from friends who are divorced or family who are divorced or, you know, some cousin who's an attorney in another state, it always influences how my clients look at the case. And sometimes it doesn't help. And that's true. That's a really good point. So letting them also kind of recognize that they have to feel comfortable with that decision. Yeah. So this was my experience, but how have you been handling it? Or what can I do to support you in this? Yeah. Rather than telling the person what to do. Yeah. All right. So that's a good idea. So friends can just offer their support and ask their divorcing friend what they need. What they need. That's a good, very good point. Suggestion. All right. And as far as frequency, going back to counseling here, frequency of when people, let's say, the population of people who are divorcing, how often do you think it's wise for them to see a therapist like you? Weekly is ideal. And I understand that that can be tricky because people have jobs and you want to be also spending time with your kids. But I think if you're thinking about getting divorced or staying in a marriage, this often is something that needs to be addressed quickly. A lot happens week to week, I've noticed, as much as people are like, you know, let's do every other week. And then we're spending the majority of the session just catching me up on these things happened. I also encourage, not every clinician does this, but I encourage sometimes someone to shoot me an email of like an update so we can kind of jump back into it. So that can sometimes be beneficial, but weekly is ideal. And as things progress, either if they're going towards divorce or if they're going towards staying together, we move things out Mm -hmm. depending on what the needs are of the family. So you can adjust the frequency. Yeah, absolutely. I see. Now, if someone wanted to reach you for a therapy session, how would they do that? My website is hollyharmonlicsw.com. So I'd be happy to talk with people. They can email or call me. Both of my contacts are on that website. Terrific. It's been a pleasure, Holly. Thank you so much for coming in. And, Thanks uh, for having me. Into Inside Divorce and being part of my podcast. Excellent. Thanks so much. You're welcome. If you'd like more information about the topics covered in our podcast, please contact us at Grossman & Associates. You'll find a competent and experienced team of compassionate, responsive, and innovative legal professionals. Email me at hindel at grossmanltd.com. My first name is spelled H-I-N-D-E-L-L. Or call us at 617-969-0069. Thank you for listening.